Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. All this stuff scattered, you're supposed to be put together and just fake them out, but I'll let you know. Amen. God is in control. If you'll turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 20, I might still shove things around. If you ever see me up here preaching, I'm turning stuff over and all that. I'm trying to find where the Lord's going next with whatever I got up here. I'm sincere tonight, folks. Anybody that is in ministry understand what I'm talking about. Acts chapter 20, verse number 22. Amen. And I'm going to start reading right there. I'm trying to see if there's any order to this before I even get started. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 22 starting. says these words. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul speaking. And he says, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. Not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth. In every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and, or I say and, yeah. the ministry, which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God I want you to denote and perhaps look at it a little closer but to denote that there just wasn't one thing Paul wanted to finish there in scripture but actually a couple uh, this evening with the help of the Lord undoubtedly I want to minister along this line God needs a voice God needs a voice and I need you to help us pray right now Let's touch heaven, that heaven will do what heaven can do, and I'll just do what I can meagerly do. Father, I come to you tonight. I'm asking, Lord God, for your authority. I'm asking God for your anointing. I'm asking God for your direction and instruction, Lord, in this place. God, as you anointed my mind and heart this morning, I pray, God, anoint it yet today, this evening. I pray, oh, Lord, I submit myself to you as a vessel. I give myself to you tonight, Lord. God, compile this, order this as you would see fitly framed, God, for your hearers. God, and help us, Lord, to walk away knowing that we've heard the word of the Lord. God, in this place tonight, we will thank you and we will praise you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. Shake a neighbor's hand. Tell them how good they look. Hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat> there are two things in the scripture. Paul is on the verge of going on another trip, another missionary journey. The Bible says, he says, I'm bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. 
although there were no literal bonds on him as of yet, there was a binding already in the spirit for him to go unto Jerusalem. Insomuch, you'll read the scripture that there are several groups and sects of people that as he is passing on his journey toward Jerusalem, that when he stops, they even declare and say, there is harm coming to you at Jerusalem. You're going to be put in bonds and in shackles and incarcerated. But that did not deter Paul because the bonds of his flesh did not deter him because he was already bound in the spirit for a purpose in Jerusalem. He says, I don't know everything that's going to befall me. I don't know everything that's going to take place. He said, save that the Holy Ghost is going to witness everywhere in every city, every town that I go. I may have bonds and afflictions, but the Holy Ghost is going to minister. There are two things that Paul denoted in Scripture that he wished and desired to finish. First of all, he said that he desired or that he wished. None of these things moved him, but his life, he didn't count dear to himself. He says, but I might finish my course. One thing that Paul desired to finish was his course. He, he desired to complete his life and him living it for the Lord, to finish well, if you will, his course of living for God, to finish that well. But the second thing that Paul desired to finish for the Lord is that he wished to desire uh, to finish the ministry which he received of the Lord. His course was his walk with God, but his ministry was his service for God. Uh, he said, I desire to finish both of these things. I, I want to finish my walk, but I also want to finish my service, or more importantly, he described what it was, my testimony for the Lord. Because God has called me to a ministry, if you will, to testify the gospel of the grace of our God. If I could say it in the most stripped down terms possible, Paul says, I've been given a ministry of being a voice. I've been given the ministry of being a declaration, a mode of instruction, a mode of persuasion, a mode of information. I have been given the ministry of being the voice. And toward the end of his life, he said, if I can just finish my course and finish being the voice that God wants me to be, then all will be well. And I believe tonight, that as it was with the life of Paul, so it is with the life of everybody that's sitting under the sound of my voice, that whenever we come to our hour of closure in this life, that we likewise should be seeking to finish a couple of things. We should likewise look to be finishing our course, our life that we have lived for God, but we should also be looking forward to finishing the ministry that God has asked for our involvement in along this Christian path because we've all been called to be witnesses, a testimony, if you will, a voice of persuasion and instruction for our generation and generations to come. We need a voice in our society. We need a voice in our church. We need a voice in our school system. We need a voice in our government. With all the voices that are bellowing out there, God needs a voice likewise in this hour. Can someone say amen? 
Bible says in Corinthians concerning voices. First Corinthians, and please just use your Bible tonight. First Corinthians 14.10, that there are, it may be so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. In other words, there's a lot of voices, but with we each voice, there is significance. A voice can somehow be alluring. I've already spoken. A voice can be instructional and persuasive. A voice, if you will, can cause to give direction in Scripture. There is power that stands in just a voice without any demonstration, without any uh, 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 outward act. Just a voice in itself is very powerful. The Bible to just somehow case in point in Genesis chapter number 3 in the beginning of the Bible. The Bible is describing to you and I, Adam and Eve and the serpent and the interaction that takes place there between all of them. And the Bible tells us in verse 17 to understand the power of a voice that the ground was cursed for Adam's sake because he ate the forbidden tree but more specifically he hearkened to a voice. The power of a voice brought that upon the life, amen, of Adam because he hearkened to a voice. The Bible tells us concerning the great father of the nation, amen, of the Jews, Abram in Genesis 16, that Abram was closing his eyes to the promise that God had for him, that God had spoke to him. And as a result of that, he joins himself to a maid by the name of Hagar, which gives birth to a son that will never 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 be in covenant with God and he did all this because he hearkened to a voice Someone say amen. In Genesis 27, Isaac is there. His eyes are somewhat dim. He's a little bit old in age. But the Bible says that here comes his son Jacob in with all of his modes and means of deception. And as he approaches Isaac, his father, amen, Isaac was deceived in every respect concerning that being Jacob. Amen, trying to steal the blessing except the voice. He knew the voice of his son to be the voice of his son, yet he ignored it. There's power, there's identity, there's significance, there's persuasion in a voice. Someone say amen. One of the peculiar areas concerning the voice is on Mount Carmel. We have the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove. They're making their altar. They're jumping up and down, making pleadings with their God to come down and answer by fire because the God that would answer by fire, he would be God. And as this great frenzy is taking place on Mount Carmel, the Bible says the peculiar thing about what took place on the mount was there concerning the prophets of Baal is that from whom they were speaking to there was no voice seemingly meaning that an absence of voice was an indicator of an absence of life Oh yes, we need a voice in the apostolic church. God needs a voice in our world today. There the opposer and the adversary and your enemy would begin to suspect there is no life where there is life. God needs a people to raise up and echo it loud and clear that we're still here. He's still alive. He still has all power and all authority. Just listen to the voice. Someone say amen. 
If there was no voice, there was no life. Gehazi, being sent by Elisha, goes to the Shunammite son who is supposedly dead. He lays his staff upon him, returns to the prophet Elisha, and he says, listen here. He said, I didn't hear a voice. What are you saying? This boy is indeed dead because there's no voice. If there's no voice, there's no life. The lepers, four lepers that sat outside of the gate of Syria finally got in their mind, we'll go into the Syrian camp. And the Bible says when they got there, they didn't hear a voice. Where are they saying? There's no life there. Nobody's there. There's nothing taking place. There's nothing going on because we didn't hear a voice. I don't want to give a false impression to our world. I don't want to give a false impression to my adversary by staying quiet, holding my mouth shut, and being mute. I want to be the voice for my generation. I want to be the voice for my hour. I want them to know we still exist. I want them to, oh yes. Someone say glory. Someone say God needs a voice. God needs a voice. There's significance in the voice. David Crystal is one of the world's foremost authorities on language. He's a prolific writer. He's a speaker, particularly on the subject of language death. And he says that over half of the world's languages are more abundant. And that's a big word that simply means this. They're in a dying state. They're near death. They're on the verge of extinction. They're on the verge of termination. They're not progressing. They're not advancing. They're stagnant. They're not effectively, if you will, being passed on to the next generation. He says to say that a language is dead is saying that a person is dead. He said it can't be no other way. He said for languages have no existence without people. He says a language dies according to the proper terminology. A language dies when no one speaks it anymore. He says, for instance, just follow here with me. I'll preach maybe before it's all said and done with God's help. Amen. He said, for instance, he said it was reported, amen, in the obituary headings, amen, over in a foreign land. He said that during field work in Mambilia region of Cameroon's Adamoa province in 1994 and 1995, he said, I came across a number of moribund languages, languages that were about to die. And he said, one of these languages was Kasabi. I know, isn't that funny? Amen. Kasabi. And he said, uh, with that being found, he said, I could only find one remaining speaker by the name of Bogon that was found. He himself, Bogon, knew no other speakers of his language. He said, in November of 1996, I returned to the Mambilia region with part of my agenda being to collect further data on Kasabi. However, Bogon, however, died on the 5th of November, 1995, Taking Kasabi, that language, with him. He was survived by a sister who reportedly could understand Kasabi but could not speak Kasabi. Several children and grandchildren, none of whom knew the language. So whenever Bogon died, the language died because nobody else knew how to speak the language. Some would say, We need a voice. In the obituary column, then it was very, it was right there. On November the 4th of 1995, that language existed. The very next day, it did not exist because its only speaker that spoke it died. 
died and passed away. Can I tell you according to him that if you are the last speaker of a language, your language, amen, that's viewed as a tool of communication, if you're the last speaker, then it's almost considered already dead. If you're the only one that's given voice, if you're the only one that's given articulating any type of language from your mouth concerning that language, if you're the only one speaking it, then it's close to already being dead. Because for a language to really be alive, there has to be somebody to speak the language even to. Someone say amen. And I understand you have knowledge of this way. Amen. We have our Bibles and our books and all of that is great and tremendous. We have archives today in written form, in video form, now in social media form. We have all these different archives, amen, that we could somehow go to. And now we're even better off than generations before us because we have ways of recording all of these things. But they said very clearly, the language is dead when no man speaks it anymore, that it may continue to exist in recorded form, amen, in writing, in sound or video, even as we have today. But unless it has fluent speakers, one would not talk of it as a living language. In other words, it took more than it being recorded in a book, more than videotaping somebody who spoke it. But it had to be someone that was still yet speaking it. I'm, I'm thankful for the times we have pictures that are posted of what happened in a service. The Burger King revival we had posted years ago of what took place out there in the parking lot. All of that is fine and well. But honey, that doesn't amount to living unless there's still a voice that can give an utterance. Someone say yes. God needs a voice. And we cannot somehow demonstrate our fluency of the language if we have no one to talk to. Our language is ineffective if there's not somebody to hear the language. If there's not a younger generation that's interested in learning the language. I can speak it all day to you, but unless you have the interest to learn it and speak it yourself, the language's going to die when I die. Someone's got to take the initiative. Amen. But Papa was the voice. Mom and Dad was the voice. But let me arise in my generation to be the voice. If this is going to outlive them, then I'm going to have to take it upon my shoulders to give forth an utterance. God needs a voice today. We need another language, another, another generation to take it on. The Bible says, and I'm turning there, you can turn there too. It's not coming on the media screen unless they are super quick. But in Psalm 78, the Bible records these words. Amen. Starting, if you will. I'll start even with verse number one. The psalmist said, give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and what our fathers have told us we will not hide them from their children shewing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done for he established a testimony in Jacob appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them even the children which should be born 
Lord who should arise and declare, declare them to their children. What's he saying? He's saying this thing's got to be generational. There's got to be a voice in this hour to be a declaration to the next generation. And that generation just can't take that. They got to stand up and be the voice and declare it to the next generation. And it can't stop there. The next generation's got to stand up. In other words, this thing's not passed on without a declaration, without a voice. God needs a voice. The Bible says in Psalms 145 and verse number 4, one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall everybody say declare. Declare thy mighty acts. What are they doing? They are giving it a voice. God needs a voice? Yes. He seemed to somehow orchestrate and organize it in such a way through Scripture that he always deemed it important. To have a voice. Could God speak to people individually? Yes. But you know what he liked to do? Speak through the voice of a man to men. Not everybody would be accepting to the voice of God speaking to them. Some would discount it. But if they could hear the voice of God through a man. And so with that, we turn to Exodus chapter number 4. God is needing a voice. And in Exodus chapter number four, we read of a story there that God is now calling Moses to be the deliverer of his people that are in the bondage in Egypt. If we can back up on just a little bit of the history here. Moses, born to the Hebrews, three months hid by his mama because she seen he was a goodly child. Put in the river, found by Potiphar, or not, not Potiphar, but Potiphar, I can't even, Pharaoh's daughter. Taken up, she knew it was a Hebrew child. She took him into the Egyptian palace. He was trained and he was instructed by the Egyptians so from that we understand Moses' early life consisted of the land of Egypt. He was instructed in education. It all came from Egypt. He was not ignorant. Moses was not unintelligent. His true identity had not been hid from him. He was as other Hebrew children circumcised the eighth day as of other Hebrews. He knew he was a Hebrew. And in his formable years, he went out to his brethren, the Bible says. He went out to his brethren in those formal years, in those 40 years of his life in the palace. And the Bible says he looked on their burdens. And no doubt doing that of his own volition, of his own choosing, not being told to do so, no one instructed him to do so, but by his own choice, going out there and looking at the scope of his brethren and the burdens. It particularly says he looked at their burdens. No doubt seeing that there must have been a sense of urgency in his spirit for a need of deliverance for his brethren. The Bible says another day he would be out and he seen an Egyptian that was smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And the Bible says that Moses goes over there, he kills the Egyptian and he hides him in the sand. 
because he knew there was an injustice being done to one of his brethren. He does what he does. He does what, what took place here without much forethought. It wasn't that he weighed all the scenarios out, but he arose, he reacted to the, the, the critical need of that hour, and then it seemed to be there was no decisiveness in him. He wasn't being indecisive. He just went to and he just acted upon what he seen. And now almost 40 years from that point of time later, God is calling to Moses on the backside of a desert to be the deliverer for God's people. This man that had scoped out the burden of God's people with no one telling them to. Amen. And doing something about injustice that was done to his brother when no one told him to. Now is standing toe to toe with God. Well, God says, Moses, I need you to be a deliverer. And Moses harps back, who am I? Moses, you reacted when nobody told you to react. You performed and produced when no one asked you to produce. Now that I brought the call upon you and are asking you, you're saying, who am I? That's the wrong question. The question not is not who you are, it's who am I? Moses... This is real, the basis of everything I need. I need you to be my voice. Yeah. I need you to be my voice. The Bible says that God gives Moses some signs. He says, you put down the rod and it turns into a serpent. You pick it back up by its tail, it turns into a rod. You do that in the house of Pharaoh. He says, put your hand into your bosom. Bring it out. There's leprosy upon it. Put your hand back into your bosom and bring it out. It's clear. It's clean. Do that in the house of Pharaoh. Moses is still a little bit uncertain about all these things. Amen. He wants to do it, but he's a little reluctant. He just is not quite willing to be the voice that God wants him to be. God says, all right, the last thing. He says, why don't you get some water, amen, out of the river. Amen. Take water out of the river. Pour it on the dry land, and it will become blood. Do that, and they aren't going to know. And you know what Moses says? He says, God, help. He says, I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of speech. He says, I have a slow tongue. God said, I didn't ask for your eloquence. I didn't ask for a quick, swift speech or a quick tongue. I'm just asking for a voice. And if that voice stutters when it talks, that's all right. Because the power's not in the eloquence. The power's not in the swiftness of your tongue. The power is the one of whom you speak. Hear me today. I believe there's people that may be sitting on the sound of my voice. You have your own reasons why you can't be the voice. Amen. Because you're basing it upon talents and upon abilities. God wasn't asking for anybody's ability. He was asking for someone's availability. All he needed was a voice. He needed a medium through which he could speak. He didn't need that person to come up with a thought or come up with the idea. He just needed that person to be the vehicle of communication. Can I tell you today? If it were about talent ability, none of us would serve the bill. But he's just asking for your voice. He's just asking for you to stand up and give a declaration that isn't from your mind, but from the mind of heaven. And speak it boldly, speak it powerfully. He needs a voice. Uh-huh. He says, I, I, need, I need a voice. 
I need a voice, Moses. And I'd really like to speak through you. Listen, listen, this just troubles me. So Moses says all this stuff. I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of tongue. I'm, I'm slow of speech. God says, uh, who was it that made the deaf? Who was it that made the blind? Read the scripture. Who was it that made the deaf person or the blind person or, or this one or that one? Uh, who did all this? Have not I the Lord? I've made every person as they are made. I've done that. And he says, so why don't you just go on forth? He says, I'll be with your mouth. I'll teach you what to say. He said, just go on forth. And you know what Moses' reply to him basically was in verse number 13 of Exodus 4? He said, God, why don't you send somebody else? Why don't you find somebody else to be your voice? And I don't know if you understand that the criticalness of all this, but in verse 14, the Bible says the Lord was angry. The Lord was angry because he wanted somebody to be the voice and they weren't willing to be the voice. He wasn't asking for their talent and their ability. He was just asking for their availability. He says, I just need a voice. He says, well, Aaron, he said, Aaron's coming. I know he can speak well. I'll let him be the voice. You just talk to him what needs to be said and we'll go about that way and that road. Amen. But that was never the intention of God. What are you saying? God needed a voice. Moses, if you're not going to be the voice, I'll find me a voice because I have to have me a voice. I got to have a voice that's going to be persuasive to Pharaoh. I got to have a voice voice that's going to be instructive to Israel. I need a voice to somehow be able to reason with the murmurers. I need a oh someone say yes. God needs a voice. Consider if you will with me very quickly how important it was to take up the privilege of being the voice. I'm just going what I felt inspired in the Holy Ghost just in prayer a while ago Brother Mason do you remember why listen folks do you remember why Moses could not go to the promised land because he smote the rock twice but what did God want Moses to do to the rock rather than smite the rock Speak to the rock. Moses, the congregation get together. He says, you want us to get your water out of a rock? Rather than stepping up to the plate of being what God asked him to be. Just a voice. He smites the rock twice. And he keeps himself from entering to the promised land. Just because he wouldn't be God's voice. You want us to fetch you some water out of the rock? Smite, smite. And now, now Moses in the last chapter of Deuteronomy, we're going to take you up to a mountain. I'm going to show you everything I promised God's people. Everything that I spoke to you that you spoke to Aaron and Aaron spoke to the people. I'm going to show you everything you can have. But what you cannot go to and inhabit because you wouldn't be my voice. How, how adamant is God about this voice thing? Oh, God, help me right now. I'll tell you how adamant he is. He's so adamant about having a voice that he is even deemed by his own admission that signs, S-I-G-N-S, signs at times are a voice. 
Just walk with me. In Exodus 4, whenever he was talking about the rod and the serpent, the hand that was leprous and not leprous, you can read for yourself in verse number 8 of Exodus 4. That it shall come to pass, he said, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first. Listen, the voice of the first sign. That they will believe the voice of the latter sign. So by God's own admission, voices and declarations at times are given through his signs. All right. God needs a voice. How adamant is he about having a voice? Because whenever Moses passes away in the last chapter of Deuteronomy, before they ever enter the promised land, and Joshua takes that stead now of being the leader, amen, for God's people, God didn't want a chance, a voice on a man at that time. Just go with me here, because the Bible says then in Joshua chapter number 4, that whenever the instruction came for them to cross over the Jordan River, and the priests were to get inside that river with the ark on their shoulder, and when they would, the waters would part. The Bible speaks that the priests were in the midst of that river of the Jordan. And there came a commandment from the Lord, amen, for Joshua. He said, Joshua, he said, I want you to go and take some stones. Out of the river onto the bank and make a memorial for future generations. Because this thing's got to be declared somehow. He says in verse 6 of Joshua 4 that this may be a sign. By God's own admission, signs can be a voice. That this may be a sign among you that when your children Ask their fathers in time to come saying, what mean ye by these stones? You can tell them, boys, what these stones declare. What these stones are saying is that there was a time there was water right here and there was no perceivable way to pass over. But they brought the presence of God in the midst of that river. And the waters parted. And we walked across on dry ground. God was so adamant about having a voice. Let me dig in just a little deeper here. Maybe people in the left field, I don't know. But dig in just a little deeper here tonight. And look where those stones came from. Yes, they came from the river. But look at verse number 3. The Bible says, out of the place where the priest feet stood firm. He says, you take those 12 stones where the priest's feet stood firm so that generations to come will know the declaration of what happened today. Honey, if there's not going to be a voice, then praise God, find yourself a pastor. Find yourself a bishop. Find yourself a priest and grab some stones from where their feet are standing firm on the doctrine, on the Godhead, on baptism, on salvation and take one of those stones and put it on the riverbank so those stones can be a voice and a declaration of that doctrine, a declaration of that truth where the priest stood firm. God needs a voice. God 
God needs a voice. The Bible in speaking. I'm all over the place. The Bible in speaking. John the Baptist. John chapter number 1. They come asking him who he was. Art thou Elias? Art thou that prophet? He answered them, no. Who art thou? We need to give answer for those that sent us. Who are you? John says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight way of the Lord. Make straight the way of the Lord. As said the prophet Elias. Go on and take off all the little prepositions that's added on to it. And basically John said this. He said, I am the voice. I was born from a barren womb to be the voice. I was born during a time when my father was dumb. He couldn't speak. God's ordained me to be a voice. I was born after a time that 400 years no one's heard from God. And God said, I need a voice. Mm, Someone say hallelujah. They needed a voice. They needed a voice. Can I tell you tonight? Amen. I'm trying to grab our attention here this evening. Sometimes what the devil wants more than your soul is that he wants your voice. Because if he can have your voice, he has your means of persuasion. He has your means of articulation. He has your means of direction. He has your means of instruction. With your voice, you can persuade people. You can instruct people. You can speak into people's life and have influence through your voice. And if he doesn't want your soul, he wants your voice. Why do you think it was so necessary then in John the Baptist's day? Amen. That here is Herodias. Amen. Herod's having the birthday party. She goes to her mama, says, Mama, what do we want? She says, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter because what the enemy wanted in that hour more than a soul was the voice. We want to decapitate John because the enemy wanted the voice of influence. God just needs a voice. God's so desperate to have a voice, Brother Fred, that he'll open the mouth of a donkey. To have him speak some words of wisdom and clarity because he's desperate for someone to be the voice. Follow with me back, if you will. Our scripture setting that we spun off of. I don't know how long I've been up here. I didn't hit my clock whenever I got my desk all situated. What was Paul's two desires? Finish the course finished the ministry that God had given him which was to testify scripture said be the voice the Bible says let's see how well he finished the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter number 4 one of the last epistles that was written by the apostle Paul 
he says in in second timothy chapter number four in verse number five starting he said but watch thou in all things talking to timothy endure afflictions do the work of an evangelist make full proof look what he's talking about here make full proof of thy ministry he goes on and says, For I am now ready to be offered time, but my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. At this point in time, Paul is notably in what was known as Mamertine prison in Rome. <clears throat> they say even the worst of our prisons today would be a Hilton in comparison to the Mamertine prison in Rome. His cell is dark. It's a damp dungeon. It could only be reached by a rope or a ladder from a hole that was in the floor that was above. It had no windows, no lights, no toilet, no furniture, no running water. And there's Paul sitting on the floor in coldness and darkness and during the stench of his own urine and excrement. Outside the cell, not very encouraging either. But he's writing to Timothy. He says, I can't travel anymore. Not going to be any other missionary journeys. He says, so I finished my course. But further down in the scripture, he says in verse number 11, as he's making some personal request, he said, only Luke is with me. He said, take Mark and bring him with thee. He says, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Paul says, traveling days are over. My course is finished, but I've not yet finished my ministry. I'm still being a voice. As I take the quill and put it to the paper, I'm continuing being the voice for a generation that's yet to be conceived. In the womb, because I understand the importance, how much God is in need of a voice. If you stand with me tonight, I will not prolong this. Yeah, I got other stuff all over this papers and garbage. I need to finish. First Apostolic Church, God needs a voice in this hour. We need a speaker. We need someone to be the vehicle of communication. We need somebody to be the testimony. We need somebody to be the witness. We need somebody to be the declaration. <clears throat> if I may this evening, <clears throat> as you're standing, take advantage of you. And read a segment out of Proverbs 30 that states it like this. Listen to me. The writer of Proverbs says it like this in verse 11. He says, there is a generation <clears throat> that curseth their father doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation 
Oh, how lofty are their eyes. Their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives. To devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among men. The writer was speaking of a deplorable generation. They are a disrespectful generation. They are a reproach, if you will, to their parents. They are blinded to their own filth, the Bible says. They are prideful. They are destructive with their mouths. They have no diplomacy with their words, nor do they attend to the needs of others. Speaking of a deplorable generation. There is a generation like that. But I remember Isaiah writing in the Ethiopian reading of it in Acts 8. <laughs> that in speaking of the suffering servant of Isaiah, which we know to be Jesus Christ, the question was posed. Who shall declare his generation? Uh-huh. Well, there's a generation of haters and whoremongers and disrespect and a generation of this and that. Who will declare? Who will be the voice for his generation God needs a voice if we can bow our head close our eyes musicians may come this evening God needs a voice he's not banking on your eloquence he's not banking on your oratory skill he's banking on you just being the medium on you being the available individual that's going to still speak this language of the Bible, this doctrine of His name. He's asking us tonight just to be the voice. Somebody still yet needs to testify. Somebody still yet needs to speak. Because in the end of this life, if you're not finishing a course in a ministry, really what is the whole scheme of things because you have a ministry to finish that you would testify that you were the voice in your generation, in your time, in your family. And let me tell you, if there is ever a time, and I'm probably going to talk more about this, <sighs> things are unfolding. If there is ever a time, there needs to be a heralding of a voice from the church, from heaven. It is emphatically now. We use our voice every day. We use our speech and our means of articulation every day. We talk about various subjects. We talk about various things. Throughout our day, sometimes we're trying to be persuasive. We're trying to be instructional, all that. And whatever you're trying to be persuading about or instructional about, you're giving voice to whatever that subject matter is. God's just asking to have the same allegiance in your life that you would just be the voice for Him. Persuade the souls of men from where they are to where He is. Be instructional. Tell them how to get there. 
And please don't stand there as Moses did and say, God, just find somebody else. Please, in the moment that he's asked you to speak, man, don't be all flamboyant and try to substitute a demonstration for being the voice. Because what he needs is for you to be, for you to be the voice. These altars are open. We need Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.